Hi, I'm Kara Oakley. And I'm Susie Rigdon. Welcome to the Fall Fifth Book Podcast, part of the Watershed Lit Station. This is our special holiday bonus episode, which will round out our 25th anniversary celebration. To hear all of our other episodes, subscribe on SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit fallforthebook.org to find out more. So today in our holiday bonus episode, we are talking to Annie Rains author of the holiday book Through the Snow Globe, set in Snowhaven, North Carolina. It's a delightful mashup of It's a Wonderful Life meets Groundhog's Day, which is asking the question, what if you could have one more day with someone you lost? So it follows Diana. She's an occupational therapist and her fiance, Linus, this is not a spoiler, who's gets hit by a car and is in a coma. And so she's reliving a day Groundhog's Day style throughout the book trying to answer this question. So in the spirit of the holiday season, there are many holiday things in here, toy stores, Christmas trees, snow globes. Kara, I wanted to ask you, what is one of your favorite holiday things? I'm going to have to say cookies, right? Isn't that everybody's favorite part of, of the holidays is all of the food? Yes. What kind? What are your favorites? Um, I am very big on snickerdoodles. Um, we always make something in my family called chocolate crinkles, um, which are these really delicious chocolate cookies with like powdered sugar on top. And then like the very traditional gingerbread cookies. I'm a big fan of those three. I've never made gingerbread, but I buy like those, those kits in the store. And that's actually become one of my like favorite things is making those gingerbread houses, except that I am like the opposite of a crafty person. So (laughs) They're always terrible and it just turns it like I never wait long enough. I do this with, you know, with my son. I never wait long enough to decorate. So then it just turns into like gingerbread rubble and yet we still decorate and eat it and it looks like a mess, but it's a lot of fun. I never, I've never bothered with the houses. We always just go right for the cookies, which are, which are also sort of a mess and, and challenging to make in their own right, but they're, but they're delicious. Yes. And while there aren't Christmas cookies in this book, there are snow globes, there's presents, there's silly dog ties, and a lot of other really cool stuff um, with the holiday season. So we are so excited to talk to Annie Rains in this special holiday bonus episode. Annie Rains is a USA Today bestselling contemporary romance author who writes small town love stories set in fictional places in her home state of North Carolina. When Annie isn't writing, she's living out her own happily ever after with her husband and three children. Annie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to talk with us today. Yay, thank you for having me. So um, Susie mentioned in our, our, our intro, this is our holiday bonus episode for the year. Um, and you've written a lot of novels, including your latest uh, Through the Snow Globe, set during Christmas and at the holiday season. What What is it about this season that makes for such great storytelling, do you think, for a writer? Yeah, I, I always love the magical, like not like technically magical, but there's something magical about romance and falling in love. And I think there's something magical about Christmas as well. So putting them together seems like, you know, it's the ultimate experience when you're writing a love story, in my opinion. It's a lot of fun. And you have like like a, a whole like toolbox full of things to pull from, like the snow and the getting a Christmas tree and the festivals. And it's just a lot of fun to write, in my opinion. And, you know, a little bit of magic in this one, which we, yeah, uh, oh, yeah. Which we like and appreciate. <laughs> This is my first novel with a little bit of magical element. So it was, but I have more coming, but this was my first um, little venue into magic and it was a lot of fun. Any more in Snowhaven or sort of spreading out from from this? Spreading out. Yeah, this is the only one in Snowhaven so far. 
It's Excellent. a standalone, but who knows? I mean, I'm, I could always revisit the town. That's awesome. I love the town, love the toy shop, everything in there. Um, so for a number of the books that we mentioned with the holiday season and outside of that, um, you've written quite a few romance novels and um, Through the Snow Globe is your first foray into the women's fiction genre. Um, can you talk a little bit about the difference between romance and women's fiction and what made you decide to sort of make this shift? Well, they go nice hand in hand. So I still plan to write romance, but um, the difference is romance is kind of focusing on the journey of the couple and how, you know, coming together kind of helps each of them find, you know, complete their journey. Whereas women's fiction is all about the woman's journey and it doesn't necessarily have to include the love story. It can, and I, I prefer that it does, but it's not the love story that we're focused on. It's more like how the the female character is growing as a person and achieving, you know, her hopes and dreams. And as far as the the couples go, as you said, you know, romance, you're watching the couples grow and change together, find that love. But in this book, they're already together at the start of the book. So what was it like sort of taking that, um, that tact? Were there any particular strategies you used to get the readers invested in their relationship? Um, well, I, I found that I really liked it better that they were already together because they already had that nice like history and the backstory. And there was like so much, you know, they were out of that stage where it's like everything is coming up roses and beautiful. And they have like, you know, some conflicts and some issues that they have to work through. And then, of course, he's he's in a coma for most of the book. So it really was focused on her journey because he was offline in a bed somewhere in a long term facility. So it was nice to take and have the flashbacks and kind of relive that day of, you know, showing what led up to that. Yeah. Poor Linus. <laughs> I know. I know. I love Linus. I really did love Linus's character, you know, the toy store owner. And he was just so sweet and he likes to ride his bicycle everywhere he goes. Like, you know, if he was a real guy and I wasn't married, of course, I would totally go after Linus. Definitely. I think the tie cinches it. <laughs> yeah, the tie. Oh, I love him so much. <laughs> well, so, you know, you, you mentioned this a little bit, but um, in the book, you're you're playing with, you know, like the Groundhog Day structure where um, Diana has to relive this same day over and over again with the hopes of, of changing the outcome. And like you said, this was your first time writing um, writing something with that kind of like magical or fantastical element in it. What was your approach to to adapting that that structure, that reliving the day structure, and kind of making it your own? Well, I was kind of naive when I decided to do the Groundhog Day. Like I just kind of thought, oh, I'll write a Groundhog Day, and it'd be easy. And it so then I really had to like once I got into writing it, I was like, oh, this is this isn't easy because you have to make every day new, and every day that she relives even though it's the same day, it has to be slightly different and she has to grow just a little bit. And so it was kind of com complicated, kind of. So I did have to study a few other Groundhog time loop kind of stories. Um, I watched some movies and then I like I Google, did Google searches to see what readers liked about past stories with that time loop element to make sure I was really doing the trope, I guess you would say, justice. So I, I jumped in naively and found myself kind of swimming through it at, at some point. It was kind of hard, um, but I'm glad once I came out on the other side, I was really glad that I did it. 
you have any favorite time loop stories that you or or, or movies even that you came across as you were doing all of that oh, research? There was one that I really liked. Oh, what's it? I can't think of the name. It's the movie, and I think it's the um, a map of tiny little things or something like that. I'd have to look it up. But it was really cute, and I really enjoyed it. It was more of like a young adult story of two younger characters. But of course, I love Groundhog's Day. Like I grew up watching Groundhog's Day and thinking it was wonderful. That's the classic. That's the classic. yeah. It really is. Well, and there's the, the, there's there's also in in this book something about the the power of grief. Like the 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 way that grief works, it has it has a huge role to play in in how that time loop is working, and 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 that's kind of like driving her forward. Yeah. Yeah, I like the idea because that I've always kind of liked that idea of spent having one more day to spend with somebody that you've lost. Because what would you do differently? Would you appreciate them more? You know, what would you say? So I really liked playing with that idea because it's something that I've always kind of been fascinated by the idea of. So it was really nice to explore that on paper and in the story. And I would imagine one of one of the challenging elements of many. In, in writing this type of story is, you know, you talked so nicely about you know, women's fiction as being the woman's journey and you're talking about having her progress, but in a lot of women's fiction, uh, the story progresses chronologically too, you know, different things are happening, different situations. And of course there's variation, as you said, making every day new and fresh, but it had to be a challenge to have her grow through, you know, returning to certain same beats or moments or situations while everybody else stayed the same. Right. It, it, it really was. And not to make it boring, because there was there's a lot of uh, writing that I left on the, what's the expression, on the cutting room floor, or, you know, I cut a lot. I have a whole file full of things that I cut because you, you have to make it interesting. You want the pages to continue going, um, make it worth the reader's while. So it really was. And I really wanted Diana to grow. So I've gone into a lot of the reviews, and I think this is a good thing, but it fascinated me that a lot of readers say, oh, I really didn't like Diana at first in the book, but they didn't hate her enough to stop reading. But a lot of readers have said, I really didn't like her in the book, but as she grew, I really came to like her. And I found that very interesting because that is the way I wrote it, because in order for her to have that nice journey, I did kind of make her kind of cold and standoffish and guarded in the beginning. And of course... I gave her a backstory and a reason for, for all of that, but I found that very interesting because I didn't intend to make her so unlikable in the beginning. Well, I think it's so interesting because of course, you know, we have these moments like her getting the, her one poor glow card of she's Kurt, you know, and yeah, I, I think in a lot of times we have these expectations of our female pro protagonists, you know, maybe they're one way or another and she has all these feelings inside and yet she, she is closed. Like you say, she is sort of cold. And so it was, it was really, really interesting, you know, going from Elsa, the ice queen to, you know, just being really open and, and welcoming. And that was a nice journey to, to follow along with. Yeah. I, I love Diana too. Not as much as I love Linus, but. I love <laughs> well, I want to ask another question kind of about, about Diana. Um, she, your, your character is a, uh, is a pediatric, is an occupational therapist. And we, we always like talking with writers about other jobs that they've had. You, you've worked as a pediatric uh, occupational therapist. Um, and how did that inform your writing of Diana as, as a character and, and how she kind of understands bridging the gap between patients and caregivers? Because that's, that, that's, that's a big element of her story as well. Yeah. Well, Diana in the story, um, 
she works with pediatrics, but she works with all ages. Um, and I, I made it that way because I really wanted to have, you know, different populations in the story, some elderly and some younger. But I do, as a day job, I work as a pediatric occupational therapist. And I have in my past life, you know, not past life, but, you know, in my younger years, worked with all age groups. I've worked in nursing homes and rehab. So I kind of didn't have to do a lot of research for the job because I do, I've do i done that for the last 20 years. So it was nice to kind of just put Diana in the role that I know so well and move her through different patient populations. I think that made it a better story ultimately because I had so much back like knowledge in my head and like experience with different things that I could just plug her in and see what happens. And as far as familiarity goes, you know, we mentioned Snowhaven, that's in North Carolina, Blushing Bay in North Carolina. You live in North Carolina. It's making me really want to visit North Carolina. What's sort of the difference for you with writing a standalone novel, standalone town versus a number of books in one sort of area? Is there a different approach or, or thing you like about one or both? If you're talking about the setting, I, I do prefer to write in series because you can really create a town and stay in it. And um, one of my longest running series was my Sweetwater Spring series. I think it has nine titles in it, a seven full length and a couple of novellas. So that was really nice because I can like, even to this day, it's been years since I've written in the world. And I, I know the town as if it's like a real place and I wish that I could go to it. And I know where the fudge shop is and who runs the fudge shop and, you know, the thrift store. And I kind of know everything in the town. And so that's, that's really nice. Because if you have a standalone and you write the town one time, that's your only your only visit to that town. So it's a lot more fun to have a town that's already created and to know who the characters are. Because when you're taking your character through the story, you're like, oh, well, let's go visit the fudge shop and let's go visit, you know, and, you know, they run into the sheriff, the local town sheriff, and you already know who it is. So it's kind of fun. Yeah. And a lot of fun for readers, just finding new nooks and crannies, or at least seeing how things have changed over time. So what I, I, I love romance novels. I love them. And so you've written so, so many, and clearly you must be a big reader of romance novels as well. And so I would love to know what are your favorite tropes, maybe either to write or to read or a mix of those two in romance? Yeah. Well, I, I'm sure everybody says this. Well, maybe not everybody, but second uh, second chance romance is really one of my favorites, just because kind of like with Through the Snow Globe, you have two characters who already have that backstory and like they have all this history and conflict and there's so much to work with versus two characters who have never met before. And you're kind of like starting at the first the first meet. So second, second chance romance is a good one. And I do love a good um, friends to lovers kind of story, enemies to lovers. That's always a good one. And I like to mix. So I like to take a second chance romance and like put in a little bit of enemies to lovers. I've done that so much because they mix really well. And then you throw a little locked room in there. I know you <laughs> little forced proximity. And I, I guess it's considered a trope. I love the single dad. Like the single dad, I could write that every book for a year, <laughs> like for a couple years. There's something about a single dad. I, I I really love seeing how like all these different things that we know as tropes and and how how much they vary from one story to the next because 
and Su Susie and I both teach writing too, and like like tropes like enemies to lovers and and um, and friends to lovers, and all of these things come up so often. Um, but there's there are tropes that give you so much room to play from one story to the next too. And in this, if you mix them, they get like, it's like a recipe, like you have a trope and it's great and you can do it so many ways, but then you can mix, mix and match them and see what comes, comes out. No, I don't think you could have the same exact plot and have different people writing it and have different, totally different books. So I think you could write the plots never get old. The trop, the tropes never get old. All right. Well, to close out our, um, our, bonus holiday episode, uh, we want to do a quick rapid fire, this or that question round um, centered around the, the holiday season. So are you ready for this? Okay, I think so. All right, here we go. Hot chocolate or hot tea? Hot chocolate. Christmas sweaters or pajamas? Christmas sweaters. Real tree or fake tree? Uh, real tree. Ice skating or sledding? Sledding. Cozy cabin or winter sports vacation? Cozy cabin. All right. And last one, build a snowman or have a snowball fight? Have a snowball fight. Okay. Most of those were my answers as well. <laughs> um, Annie, thank you so much for talking with us today um, um, and for joining us for, for our, our, our bonus holiday episode. We're really- Yeah, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. The Fall for the Book podcast is produced by Jordan Bostick as a part of Watershed Lit. For more episodes, you can follow us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Fall for the Book is a nonprofit literary arts organization, and you can find more information about our programs and events at fallforthebook.org. We'll see you in 2024.